DW, World in Progress. With Anka Rasper. We are seen as second-class citizens, less human. The law is at fault, which sanctions sex outside of marriage, which ultimately punishes only women. We need sex education in schools, more open debates about individual freedoms, so that these issues will no longer be taboo. When women in Morocco become pregnant without being married, they face major problems. And so do their children. Sex before marriage is taboo in the Islamic country. At the same time, abortion is illegal. And furthermore, when a child is born out of wedlock, the mother cannot expect any support from the father nor the state. Many women end up in desperate situations. But a growing number of people and organizations are fighting to end this stigma as Dunya Sadaki and Carla Reiter found out for this in-depth report. The presenter is Elliot Douglas. A social worker is working her way through the stack of papers with Fatiha, sheet by sheet. Birth certificates, applications, court documents. She sits at her desk in the dimly lit counseling room in the Women's Rights Organization, Association in Achille. I noticed that she filed the application on behalf of the mother, but the judge will not accept that. We'll apply for it with your son's name, because he's now of age. As soon as he's 18, he has the right to do it himself. Since 2004, the mother has the right to apply on behalf of minors. Until then, only the father could do that. This is a certificate. Here the judge will ask you which surname should be registered. There are judges who are open-minded, but there are also those who don't do that. At the association in Achille, unmarried women who became pregnant have been receiving counselling since 1997. Women like Fatiha. Fatiha is not her real name. She wants to remain anonymous. Fatiha is one of Morocco's single mothers, the term used for unmarried women who have had children. Everyone gives me dirty looks, even though all I did was make a mistake once. They say I gave birth to a street child, even though I put everything into raising him. I slaved away in the fields, cleaned houses, worked in cafes. I protected my son, and I was so worried about him. I carried him on my back and went to work like that. Fatiha's mistake is now 18 years old. Back when she was 20, Fatiha fell in love. Until then, everything seemed fine. The mother is always the victim. The man doesn't care. What he cares about is the time he spends with the girl until she's pregnant. That's what happened to me. When I was with him, he said he wanted to marry me. And when I was pregnant, he stayed with me at first. But then when I gave birth to my son, he changed. He told me it was impossible to stay with me. He said, you have no value. If you had value, you wouldn't have let yourself make a mistake like that. Fatiha's family also turned their backs on her. They kicked her out of their house. Fatiha, who is now 38, says that even now she's not especially welcome there. My brothers don't consider me to be their sister anymore. When my son wants to greet them, they run away from him. That's why he doesn't visit them anymore. I go to visit my mother by myself, because my son can't deal with the way he's treated anymore. 
When I went to my mother and one of my brothers saw me there, he insulted me, beat up my son and threw him out of the house. If I want to see my mother, we have to make a specific appointment. I'll call her if no one is home. Then she tells me, come over, there's no one here. And being pregnant outside of marriage is not only a social taboo in Morocco. The Moroccan state punishes sex before marriage with imprisonment. Children born out of wedlock do not have the same rights in Morocco as children born within marriage. This has also been a problem for Fatiha. She struggles to keep her head above water financially, earning an average of about 300 dirhams or 30 euros a day. Her tanned hands and face are evidence of a tough life full of hard work. But she can handle the stares and nasty comments by now, she says. Fatiha's biggest concern is her son. I'm afraid for my son. I enrolled him in school and the kids threatened him because he was illegitimate. I took him out of school because of these insults. I raised him well. He's nice. He doesn't steal. He tells me he doesn't understand people's behavior towards him. He's studying with a tradesman to become a carpenter. He only has one friend. When he finishes his work, he comes straight home. He's not the type to complain. The only thing that affects my son is that he doesn't have any identification papers. I tell him, there will come a day when God will find a solution. This is why Fatiha is sitting here again today in the dimly lit counselling room of the association in Achil. For many women, the counselling centre is the last chance for support. Here, for example, affected women are helped to obtain recognition of the child's father so they can have identity papers issued for the child with the father's last name. On the back of the Moroccan identity card, both parents are listed by name, with the father in first place. He is the namesake of the children. For many, bearing the mother's last name is already an indication of an illegitimate birth. For the children concerned, this is the beginning of stigmatization that sometimes lasts from school into adulthood and can have serious negative consequences for the children. And even if there is recognition, mothers and children cannot expect any help, neither from the biological father nor from the state. The mères célibataires, the single mothers, as they are called in Morocco, have no legal right to child maintenance. The fathers are out. Climbing the stairs from the association's counselling rooms, you enter the restaurant area. Here, in the semi-open kitchen, some of the single mothers are cooking, a way to get an education and earn money. There's not much going on in the restaurant today. Only one table is occupied with a party of six, including ex-family minister Nusa Skali. Back in 2015, she spoke at a panel discussion at the National Library in Morocco's capital of Rabat. I very much hope that there will be real reforms here, so that we can put an end to these tragedies. During my tenure, I tried to introduce provisions to reform abortion laws, to make it possible in cases of rape, incest, severe disabilities or abuse. Many girls only get pregnant outside of marriage because they were promised marriage beforehand. From 2007 to 2012, Nouza Skali was Morocco's family minister and the first politician in a Moroccan government to openly advocate for the legalization of abortion. Morocco's strict abortion laws, which allow abortion only if the mother's life is in danger, have not changed. Today, Nouza Skali says this condemns unintentionally pregnant, unmarried women to a hard lot in life. C'est une réalité qui concerne un très grand nombre de gens au Maroc. This is a reality that affects very many people in Morocco. And that's where I believe the law is at fault, specifically Article 490, which sanctions sex outside of marriage, which ultimately punishes only women and not men. There is also a discrepancy between the law and the culture of society. The societal culture promotes sex by men, so to speak. 
because a real man is one who always wants to make love. So we affirm the sexual desire of the man, but we go against women and treat her like someone who is punishable, someone who can be convicted. Is there simply a lack of political will to change the law? It's not that simple, says the former minister. After all, for many conservatives, marriage is the last bastion of male dominance in the country. If we give single mothers all their rights, it means that many women who want to have children won't have to get married. Because they'll say, I don't need to get married. I work, I have my car, I will have children and that's it. And then what is the role of the man? That will shake all the foundations of patriarchal religious society. According to this conservative view, it would be the end of everything. Because the only weapon that remains to enforce male power over the female body is to maintain male leadership or control over birth. And so, in the case of a single mother with a child, it's ultimately two people, the mother and the child, who suffer for the benefit of one group of people, namely for the benefit of the man. However, the ex-minister does not want the impression to be given that nothing at all has happened in Morocco. Today, single mothers are no longer sued when they come out of the hospital after giving birth. They used to be prosecuted for extramarital sexual relations. That no longer happens today. For example, with the consent of the child's father, the single mother can use his last name on the child's papers. In other words, progress has definitely been made. In Morocco's economic capital of Casablanca, the house of the Association Solidarité Féminine, the Association for Women's Solidarity, seems inconspicuous. But it has made history in Morocco. It is the first women's shelter in the country. There we meet the women's rights activist and founder, Aisha Eshena. Eshena is well known throughout the country. She fought for unmarried mothers for 40 years and cuts an impressive figure, tall with broad shoulders, short black hair and glasses. She moves with large, deliberate steps. In the streets of Casablanca, hardly anyone passes her without a chat. Women greet her with warm kisses, treating her much like a revered grandmother. Her two cell phones ring almost continuously. A new case, a new protégé, new worries. Her involvement began in the 1980s, on a cold winter night. At that time, she was working as a nurse when a desperate young woman with a baby at her breast appeared in the doorway one night. Life was horrible for unwed mothers. They had no choice but to leave their families and often abandon their children. The mother who came to me at the time had been kicked out by her family. It was the early 80s. I went to see a social worker late at night. I remember it was already dark. The young mother said to the social worker, I came to ask for help. I want to leave my child to the state to be placed in a family. My mother kicked me out. She said she would sell him if I didn't do what she wanted. She didn't want to see me with my bastard anymore. The woman went on to say, and here I am, now in Casablanca. It's dark, it's cold, and I'm afraid for this little boy. I just want him to go to a normal family. Aisha Eshena was a young mother herself at the time. She remembers how the baby was then snatched from his mother. I went out and hid my tears. And that night, I didn't sleep. I swore to myself that this story must never be repeated. I didn't know what to do. But I did know that this has to stop. And Aisha Eshena did do something.
she founded her association, Women's Solidarity, dedicated entirely to the single mothers of Morocco and their children. That alone was sensational at the time, she recounted. For her commitment, Eshena was hated and attacked, especially by Islamists, who accused her of wanting to promote prostitution. Her rock throughout the storm, she says, was her husband, who always stood by her. Eshena says she talks to everyone, leftists, Islamists and people on the street, sometimes with limited success, she admits. She says that acquaintances and supporters of her cause called her in desperation when their own daughters became unintentionally pregnant. What's changed? We've broken taboos. I got slaps in the face. There were Friday prayers where they talked about me as the woman who promotes prostitution. They condemned me for helping mothers keep their babies. What they forget, though, is that it's they, the men, who have these children too, not just the women. In the Quran, it clearly states there's an egg and a sperm. And do you do sex education? I told them, I don't demand that from you, but the dear God in whose service you are does. I don't see your service to God, I said. I always had arguments with Islamists or religious extremists. But the religious extremists were always much more violent. You couldn't talk to them. Aisha Eshena leads a tour of the association's hammam. Here, as well as in the association restaurant, the women can work and get an education. In the kitchen at noon, large pots stand on the gas stove and next to them women chop vegetables. On a tray, they put Moroccan pastries and sweets in the oven. Eight women are training to be patissiers here. One floor below, their children are cared for in a creche. Aisha Eshena's NGO, Women's Solidarity, tries to offer help to girls and young women with illegitimate children on several different levels. They learn trades for three years, receive wages, a roof over their head, and their children can be cared for. Normally, her organization takes care of 50 women. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the organization's income shrank considerably because the restaurants and the hammam had to remain closed for a long time. That was a difficult time, she says, because women and children still had to be cared for. When they come to us, first of all we tell them, you don't need to lie, just tell society the truth. You are simply mothers. Anything else is nobody else's business, and you are strong. You'll learn a profession, and above all, don't bow your heads to them. Preserve your dignity because your dignity is your strongest sign of solidarity. And if you don't have that, I can't work with you. However, even if the children and mothers are taken care of, life remains difficult for them, Aisha Eshena acknowledges. Article 446 says, A child born in fornication is considered a bastard and must remain a bastard even if the paternity test was positive and the father acknowledges his child. And this is still the law today. The law has serious consequences because the family and financial safety net often fails completely for those affected and drives some to acts of desperation. Reports of abandoned and dead infants in the garbage repeatedly make headlines in Morocco. In September 2022, the story of 14-year-old Maryam made for tragic headlines. She died as a result of an unsafe abortion. Shortly before, she had been abused and became pregnant. The Moroccan Association to Combat Clandestine Abortion, AMLAC, 
estimates that 800 unsafe abortions are performed every day in the country. The NGO advocates for liberal abortion laws. But even if a mother decides to have her child, because they face discrimination at school, university or jobs throughout their lives, it often leads to them ending up on the streets, prostituting themselves, causing trouble or committing suicide, she says. Boys in particular, says Aisha Eshena, often develop a hatred for their mothers or women in general. It's a vicious circle, but one that can be fought. That's why Aisha Eshena talks about this everywhere, both at public events and at the homes of those affected, where she tries to convince parents to reconcile with their daughters. Proper sexual education is the key, she believes. In Morocco, the state does not provide it at all. Moroccans need to change their mentality. Men need to understand that sexual freedom is not just for them. Who do they have sex with? With their friend's sister, with their neighbours, or who knows who else? Aisha Eshena has received many international awards for her commitment, and she received a Medal of Honour from the reigning King Mohammed VI. Her greatest goal, social and legal recognition of single mothers and their children. But she did not live to see this in her lifetime. After this interview, Aisha Eshena died in September 2022 at the age of 81, following a long illness. At all levels of society, right up to the royal palace, her death was met by public statements of condolence. Aisha Eshena's greatest success was the fact that in Morocco, single mothers and their fates are being talked about publicly, and recently also with a new modern take. One morning, I was in my boyfriend's arms on the beach. We were just cuddling. Then policemen came by and arrested us for 24 hours. I was riding in the car with my sister. The police pulled us over. Because my sister is adopted, her ID card has a different last name. The police officers wouldn't let us call our parents. We had to pay them so we could leave. These are testimonies of self-titled Moroccan outlaws. Hundreds of Moroccans, especially young ones, anonymously explain on social media why they live outside the law. Two weeks ago, I had a miscarriage. I went to the best clinic in Casablanca to get treated. Because I didn't have my marriage certificate with me, they refused to treat me. I've had three abortions. My friend is pregnant, but she can't afford it. I paid 300 euros for abortion drugs. Sometimes they cost even more than 800, although they are worth less. Abortion in Morocco is a real business. The Twitter, Facebook and Instagram accounts go by the name Moroccan Outlaws. There are numerous anonymous witness accounts like this. Over 50,000 users already follow the pages. Although Moroccans have had and are enjoying more freedom since the Arab Spring, everyday life lags behind the promises of the new constitution. Old moral concepts and current reality often do not fit together, says Sonia Tarab, journalist and co-initiator of Outlaws. Being outlaws means we Moroccans have abortions, we have sexual relations outside of marriage, and we point our fingers at the lies that create violence and tragedies. We say, get rid of the laws that criminalize our individual freedoms, including those that affect the LBGTQ community. Collective 490, as it is also known, formed in 2019. The number 490 alludes to the paragraph in Morocco's penal code that criminalizes sexual relations outside of marriage. Sonia Tarab says they mainly want to appeal to the younger generation and politicize them. If you ask young people in Morocco, have you ever been in trouble with the police for being in an unmarried relationship or having an abortion, many will say yes. Stories like this also regularly make headlines in Morocco. 
take, for example, the arrest of journalist Hajar Raisuni. In 2019, after visiting a gynaecologist, she was arrested by police, charged with having an illegal abortion and sex before marriage, and was convicted. Raisuni, who had been critical of the Moroccan government, pleaded innocent and spoke of a political intimidation campaign against her. This became the birth of a movement. We wanted to say enough is enough. We've had enough. We wanted to say stop. That's Karima Nadir, co-founder of the movement. Since their beginnings, the Moroccan outlaws have attracted a lot of attention, both nationally and internationally, and it's having an effect, they say. Shortly after their conviction, probably also due to international pressure, journalist Hajar Raisuni was pardoned by the Moroccan king. The issues raised by the movement's representatives provoke many in Moroccan society, which is dominated by conservatism. The laws are also just one aspect, says Karima Nadir. Changing the laws in the medium term can be achieved with pressure, but changing mentality is harder. We need sex education in schools, more open debates about individual freedoms, so that these issues will no longer be taboo, but simply become everyday topics. Furthermore, the topics have long become everyday issues, as the numbers also prove, Nadir says. Take abortions, for example. Legal abortion is virtually impossible in Morocco. According to official estimates, however, hundreds of abortions are performed every day, illegally. Likewise, about 50,000 children are born out of wedlock each year, she adds. For Karima Nadir, this is a highly personal issue. She herself is one of Morocco's single mothers and feels marginalised and discriminated against. We are seen as second-class citizens, less human. Women like me are seen as not having morals and ethics, condemned by society like a prostitute. It's not easy. As an unwed mother, Karima Nadir also co-founded the 490 Collective for this reason. It's hard. Imagine how cruel a society is that excludes and condemns these kids. That can lead to kids starting to take drugs or behave aggressively towards society at a very early age. Understandable, considering how aggressive society behaves towards them. This is what the self-proclaimed Moroccan outlaws want to fight against. On and off the internet, they are pleading for individual liberties and the abolition of Section 490 with the hashtag Stop490 campaign. Numerous users have already anonymously filed witness reports on their social media platforms relating to problems with the police caused by abortions, abuse and sexual activity. Only about 10% of victims of sexual violence can even report the violence because they have to answer complicated questions to prove it was violence. If she says, yes, I was in a relationship with this person, it becomes impossible afterwards to prove it was violence. Morocco's sexual morals are paradoxical. Despite the strict laws, contraceptives such as the pill or condoms are available for little money. Tourist cities are notorious for the sex tourism among customers from Europe and the Gulf states. Dating apps are commonplace, especially in the big cities. There are groups on social media where both men and women report on their sexual escapades. The German-Moroccan journalist and author Mohamed Amjahid has also studied the sex lives of people in Morocco. He recently published his research and observations in the book Let's Talk About Sex, Habibi. Mohamed Amjahid describes what's happening in Morocco as an identity struggle. 
That's also how Moroccan sociologist Sana El Aji sees it. She conducts research on sexuality in Morocco, which she believes is closely linked to women's rights. Almost no other topic leads to such heated public debates in Moroccan society as the female body. Le corps féminin cristallise les questions identitaires. The female body crystallizes identity issues, what we call the honor of the family or the country, the relationship to culture, to family, to religion, to values. All this is concentrated in the female body. And on the other hand, we have collective movements and individual commitment to liberation. So the female body is a battlefield. A great deal has changed in Morocco in recent decades. Islamist movements, however, also held back much progress. Since the mid-1990s, we've seen Islamists infiltrate society in associations. There are the religious TV channels funded by the Gulf states that make women cover up, for example. I grew up in simple neighbourhoods in Morocco. I didn't have one female teacher who covered herself. Today, the majority of female teachers in high schools, universities and elementary schools are veiled. That's not just because of Islamists in Morocco, but because of political Islam overall, which has made many societies around the world more conservative. We are in an apartment in the so-called Quartier Populaire, a low-income neighbourhood in Morocco's economic metropolis, Casablanca. The door is wide open. Around a large table sit about 20 children. The boys and girls are between 5 and 12 years old. They're doing their homework, and a teacher is helping them with their questions. What the children and teachers have in common? All are orphans or children of single mothers. Among the adults, Rafia Yassin ben Shakrun. Rafia Yassin ben Shakrun is 30 years old and studied finance in France. He now works for a holding company and founded AMO, the Moroccan Orphan Association. Ben Shakrun is well aware his success story is not the norm. I was about 12 years old. I remember very well. I was beaten up by my schoolmates. I had a really dysfunctional life. And I started thinking about how to change my situation. I told myself maybe through school, through education, wherever I study. And that perseverance made the difference. I changed schools. I was walking and I saw a private school. I opened the principal's door and I said, I'm from the orphanage and I want to study with you. And he said, welcome. I didn't have to pay and that was a turning point for me. So in 2017, Ben Shakrun founded his association to turn the tide for more children. Every year, his association organises a national forum for orphans. Until now, he says orphan children have no lobby and no voice in society. Yet the problem is growing in Morocco. Current figures from NGOs even speak of around 70 abandoned children per day. Ben Shakrun's association AMO has once again invited people to the National Forum for Orphans. NGOs, politicians and other state institutions were on the guest list. In the media, Rafia Yassin Ben Shakrun gives interviews and warned of a disaster. Soon, there'll be more than 155,000 orphans and abandoned children under 18 in Morocco. My dream is that from 2030 we will have a Morocco without abandoned children. It doesn't mean that there should be no more sexual relations outside of marriage, but we need to start protecting the children right away. It means that we try to support single mothers, we try to raise awareness, including through sex education classes. 
To many, Rafia Yassin Ben Shakrun's dream sounds like it's still far off. In Morocco, conservative and progressive movements are all engaged in a battle. Even after more than 10 years, the modern constitution of 2011 still contradicts many restrictive articles in the hitherto unchanged penal code. Women's rights groups and human rights activists, however, are raising hopes. Morocco's King Mohammed VI dedicated much of his regular speech to Moroccan women in the summer of 2022. Among other things, he called on all constitutional bodies to update existing regulations and laws to promote women's rights and criticised the fact that women in the country were discriminated against. Moroccans had also voted out their Islamist-led government after a decade at the end of 2021. Since then, activists have been hoping for further reforms in family law, which the government had announced. Among other things, fathers of illegitimate children are to be legally obliged to pay alimony, just like mothers, until the child reaches the age of 21. If these draft laws were to be implemented, they would significantly change the lives and futures of hundreds of thousands of people in the country. Activists are well aware, however, that the most difficult work is in changing people's attitudes. And that wraps up this report on changing the stigma of unwed mothers and their children in Morocco by Dunya Sadaki and Carla Reiter. The presenter was Elliot Douglas. To listen back to this and other editions of World in Progress, go to dw.com slash worldinprogress or go to your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for your interest. I'm Anke Rasper. Bye for now and take care.